0: What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif, and uh, the podcast today is going to be a little different than it normally has been. Um, If you've been a listener for a while, you do know that sometimes I'm going to do these solo podcasts, and then most of the time I'm going to have a guest. I've had uh, some awesome guests recently um, from Dallas Nelson, Daisy Tackett, uh, Brian Ziola, Marcus Crespo. And we're going to continue that trend of talking to people about their drinking stories and kind of party days and, you know, that kind of stuff because that's what I like to do. But um, there's something that I uh, want to do at least maybe I'm thinking once a month. Uh, we'll figure it out as the show kind of progresses. Um, you can always email me, uh, Brennan Tassif at com if you have any suggestions for um, kind of the show. The the forming of the show. I know I talked about it in the first episode. <clears throat> the whole idea of the show. Is to be kind of a, a soundboard. Um, in a way. You know one of my favorite things to do when I was drinking. Was to um, hang out with buddies. And like kind of shoot the shit. You know talk shop. And also just like tell stories. And even as I progressed in my drinking. And drank alone, I still found myself, you know, reminiscing basically with myself about old stories and uh, kind of uh, just ranting and raving. And so that was the whole inception of the podcast. The whole idea, excuse me, of the podcast was to do that. And I explained all this in the first episode, but um, I know a lot of people have reached out uh, to me on social media. You can always message me or, you know, send me a a DM or a comment or whatever. Like I said, just email me. But uh, I've had a few people reach out and it's been super positive about how, um, they're, they no longer drink either. They're sober now too. And we kind of just shared some stories about that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, it was real inspirational to have people listening and actually, you know, taking to the podcast, which was really cool. Um, but then I also had a, a couple of people reach out and tell me that, uh, you know, it should be a comedy podcast and, you know, it's fun to tell stories, but almost insinuating that I'm pushing sobriety on people um, because I'm sober and I know I end up talking about it in all the episodes pretty much. But I just want to get one thing straight um, with everybody listening right now. The whole idea of the podcast is not for me to push some sort of sobriety agenda on anybody. That wasn't, it's not the idea at all. Um, the, the simple fact of the matter is I, d- I don't drink anymore. So me being sober is a huge part of my life. So it's going to come up on the fucking show. And the fact that some people out there might think I'm trying to uh, push sobriety on people is insane. insane. Um, there's a lot of people in my life, very close people in my life that, uh, drink all the time and it doesn't bother me at all. My sobriety is kind of my thing. I'm super happy, uh, when people tell me that hearing some of the stories that we talk about me and my guests or just me really, uh, kind of enlightens them, kind of gives them a little bit of inspiration to keep going in their journey with sobriety and everything. And that's awesome. But to anybody who thinks I'm trying to push sobriety on other people, um, That's not the case. And you can go fuck yourself because that's not what I'm doing. And uh, it just kind of came to a point for me. The reason I feel like I I wanted to say something was because um, recently there was in the news the uh, $8.3 billion settlement that Purdue Pharmaceutical had who was the um, innovator in painkillers. And opioids, when it comes to um, Oxycontin. and uh, there were criminal charges filed, and like I said, an eight point three billion dollar um, settlement was reached. Um, and I got, I saw that news. Um, I think I saw it on social media about a week and a half after a very close friend of mine died of an overdose, and it it really made me think because there's no amount of money that can, can bring him back. And, you know, this is just the most recent case, but, you know, this was a close friend of mine. Um, we lived in a halfway house together for a long time, about a year together. We're only a couple months apart in age. We were born in the same year. He was born a couple months after, or excuse me, before I was. So it's it's bizarre to me to think that people... Out there are making these assumptions that the whole reason for the show is for me to be like, "Whoa, is me. I'm so much better than other people because I'm sober now and everyone should get so Like, fuck off. The point of the show, and I'm going to keep saying this, is when I used to drink with my friends, we used to hang out and talk shit. Or I would just talk shit by myself. There's, I know I mentioned this before, there's car rides, hours and hours doing comedy, where you're doing triple runs, and you're just driving for hours, and I am a crazy person, that's obviously self-evident, and I catch myself just, I catch myself now, not even drinking, just rambling to myself. So I figured, oh, well if I do that a lot by myself, and then I love to have people on, and hear their stories, why not just turn it into the podcast that I had wanted to originally start with Dan back in South Florida. So that's the idea of the podcast. I'm not pushing any other agenda. There is no secret like subtle like like pushing of trying to get other people sober and stuff because quite frankly, if you know anything about addiction um, or know anybody who's going through addiction issues, it doesn't matter what the fuck I say on this podcast. People who get sober have to get sober for themselves. And I can only use I because I can only speak from my personal experience. But it's about me. In my situation, it was about me wanting to get sober for me. And I know that's the case in my friend's situation because, you know, he'd gone through so many different treatments and rehabs and detoxes and was going to get sober for his parents and then was going to get sober for this girl that he met and then that girl got pregnant and then he was going to get sober for his son. Who's a little over a year old and now he's fucking dead. Um, so anybody who thinks, I mean, hats off to you. If you think me talking into a microphone with comedian buddies of mine is going to get people sober, then fucking hell yeah, more power to it. But that's not the case. Anybody who really struggles with addiction has to get sober for themselves. I, had to get sober for myself. And um, again, I love and appreciate all the support that I'm getting from the majority of people listening. Um, I really appreciate that. Uh, But uh, like I said, there were a few people that reached out and thought I was pushing this some sort of sobriety agenda on people. And I wanted to just clear the air, let you know that that's definitely not the case. I, I love drinking. Nobody loves drinking more than I do. And it's it's a hack premise, but I loved drinking so much that I had to stop doing it. And you'll learn as we go along with the podcast, I'm going to have all sorts of different kinds of people on. Mainly, it's probably going to be mostly comics. But um, I'm going to have all sorts of different people on to talk about stories, crazy stories and stuff like that. Because I'm genuinely interested in those kinds of things. Like stories about, like think about 10 years ago where you were. And where you are now. And just all the little random butterfly effect kind of shit that had to happen for you to get to where you are right now listening to this. You might be jogging. You might be working out. You might be sitting in your car. You might be listening to this before you go to bed. But just, I mean, think about that. And then compound that with the fact that everyone's got one of those stories. Everyone's got a story. And I think stories are so fascinating. Just how people end up, where they end up, and how they end up, and who they are. Like with Savannah, her and I would have never met had I not had my last drunk, fallen off the rails, been indefinitely suspended from my original job, and had to go out and find another job. Like we would have never even met. My ex fiance and I would have never even met had I not come to Jacksonville to go to rehab. Like... It's that one split decision of, I'm going to do this. And that changes the course of your life. And I know everyone's listening to this being like, yeah, Brendan, that's fucking obvious. Duh. That's how life works. But if you really just think about it, it's always been so fascinating to me. That's why I loved studying history in school because in political science, it's the same thing. It's just one's in the present and one obviously is in the past. But... Political science is the same concept. Like, that's why I was so fascinated by it, was that one person, how just one thing can alter the course of reality moving forward. And I think that's crazy. And I kind of wanted to touch on that. Um, And I did want to share a story. Um, For anybody who does listen to this, who is struggling getting sober or staying sober um again please i cannot emphasize enough how much i am here for those people um reach out dm me email me whatever you got to do if you just want to talk uh i'm i'm here because anybody who knows me or has seen my stand up is very aware Of the scars that are all over my body. And I'm not talking figurative scars. Like, oh, I'm a comic. I'm all scarred and broken. I mean, the literal scars that are all over my body from when I used to hurt myself. Because I didn't know how to deal with my depression and anxiety. So I would cause myself physical pain. Because that I understood. That made sense to me. I didn't know why my brain was so erratic. But if I hurt myself... I could focus on that and kind of take away from focusing on things I couldn't control. And so if anybody struggles with anxiety or depression or addiction issues, obviously I'm not a professional, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a psychologist, I'm nothing of that sort, but I am here. I am here if you want to reach out to somebody. In that vein of <clears throat> how did we get here, that vein of storytelling, and then just thinking about my friend who's dead now because he never had his last drink. He never had his last drug. I mean, he did because he's, he's not here anymore, but you know what I mean. Like He doesn't have that story of, well, the last time I used was X, Y, and Z. And that sucks, man. And the reason I think it hits me so close to home, um, not only because he was my friend, but because I was very close to being in that situation. So I'm going to share a story with the listeners about the last time that I drank. And then again, like I said, we're a comedy show. I am a comedian, so we'll we'll pick it up in the second half of the show. Savannah's going to come on. We're going to have fun. We're going to talk about dating a comic and all the crazy stories about that and, you know, our trips to New York and, you know, what it's like to date someone who doesn't drink and even though she likes to drink and we're just going to have fun with it. But like I said, in the first part of the podcast today, I am going to get a little serious. If you don't like it, fast forward. Um, This is only going to be probably about 30 minutes until we have Savannah on. I really would encourage everyone to listen to this story. Because you don't know if, you know, you might be fine, but you never know when this kind of information could become pertinent in your life. You know, you never know someone, you or someone in your life has a problem until it's, you know, until (laughs) you or that person in your life admits it. And then at least with this story, you can have a little bit of understanding of what that's like for the person and maybe just a little empathy. Because I know no one's going to, if unless you are an alcoholic or a drug addict, you have no idea what that's like. And I know that from the stories I tell people and they look at me like I'm a psycho. Like, why would you even think about doing that? Like, why would you do that to yourself? And it's like, if you have to ask, you don't get it. And one of those stories is what I'm going to share with you. So a little context. Um, this is the story of the last time I ever had a sip of alcohol in my life. Before I get into the story, when I share my story, not this particular story, but when I share my story story um, at certain places, a lot of times uh, I quote, I say this movie quote, so I'm just going to throw it in at the beginning, and it'll make sense, obviously, when I say it, and then further on in the, the story, it'll make a lot more sense, too. So there's this really dumb movie from the early 2000s called The Replacements, um, it's one of my favorite movies because I just started playing Pop Warner when it came out. And it was a football movie about um, what would happen if a professional football league was played by replacements. That's a dumb movie. I know a lot of people don't like it. I have a fondness for it because of when it came out. But there's a scene. It stars Gene Hackman and uh, Keanu Reeves. And there's this scene where they lose a game. And then they are sitting in the team meeting room like the next day at practice. And Gene Hackman writes on the chalkboard in big letters, big capital letters, fear. And he says, um, a real man admits his fears. And there's some banter that goes back and forth, you know, some jokey lines and stuff. But then Keanu Reeves' character, Shane Falco, says, quicksand. Falco explains it like this. It's a, it's a metaphorical quicksand. He says, you're playing and you think everything is going fine. But then one thing goes wrong and then another, and another. And you try to fight back, but the harder you fight, the deeper you sink until you can't move, you can't breathe, because now you're in over your head. It's like quicksand. And I love that scene in that movie because in my life, that's exactly what what drinking was. And more specifically, my last drunk was like, I'll never forget it. it was a Tuesday um, I hadn't had a drink in a few months I, w- I wouldn't say I was sober but I just I mean I guess physically I was sober but I wasn't mentally or spiritually or anything like that in a good place. I just hadn't had a drink in a few months. Um, I had just recently my birthday's in May May 29th and I had just recently at the beginning beginning of May moved into a new apartment by myself no roommates. First time ever um, not living with a girlfriend or roommates. He I, he kicked me out. <laughs> but for the sake of the podcast, I'm going to say it was a mutual separation. <laughs> so I'm living in my own apartment. I was at work. I worked in a same breakfast place I work at now. Um, this is 2018. So I go to work that day. Um, everything seems fine. I thought everything was going fine. I hadn't had a drink in a few months. It was my birthday, so I was getting pretty good tips from my tables. And I had every intention of leaving work and going home and just like playing Xbox and hanging out and not doing anything stupid. And then I got off of work. It was around 2 o'clock because it's a breakfast joint, so we're only open till 2.30. And I, I got out pretty early. And I remember going home and, again, thinking everything was fine. And for those of you who don't know, I am a twin. I have a twin sister whom I love dearly. Um and so obviously we were turning 30 this day on the the same day and I'm getting texts from everybody, you know, "Hey, happy birthday. Dirty 30. This is crazy. I can't believe you guys are 30." And the more I was reading those, believe it or not, the the more anxious I was getting, the more upset I was getting. So now it's about 30, 3 o'clock, and then I'm just sitting on the couch. And I'll never forget this. I'm sitting on the couch thinking to myself, when I'm 30, I'm thinking, 12 years ago, you were an international baccalaureate at a pretty prestigious high school right outside of Daytona. And then um, I talk about it my other podcast and one of the walk-offs, but then, you know, it didn't work out. I ended up dropping to AP and honors classes, but still I was on a pretty good trajectory. And then the more I sat there and thought, the more I was like, 10 years ago, you were going to a school, a university in Florida, playing college football pre-law, the time basically double majoring, Not I was double majoring and everything was looking fantastic. Now, my twin sister and I are exact opposite. So growing up, I was always anxious and depressed, and she was always very outgoing, and I didn't really have any friends, and she seemed to be like the most popular person I ever met. And, you know, a lot of that is perspective, but still, you know, I was bullied a lot most of my life, and she was the one who would stand up for me on the bus. You know, when it comes to my twin sister, there's, there's nobody's back. I have more than hers. And I remember thinking on my 30th, our 30th birthday, how much she had accomplished in life, how like all the school stuff aside, all that aside, because when we were younger, you know, I didn't really ever get in any trouble. And she got into a little bit of trouble when we were younger. You know, I'm not going to air out her stuff, but, you know, she got into a little bit of trouble. And I just remember thinking, here it is now, you know, 15 years later. Ten, ten years later, and I could not be more proud of her. Again, this is two years ago, but she had already accomplished so much. We were 30 together, and she had a home that she owned with a loving husband that she had been with for years at this point. They had two beautiful children she had gotten into fitness and became an instructor, was leading people, was a leader of people. And it had you asked me 10 years prior to that, when I was playing college football, if I thought that's how her life would turn out, I'd, I'd be honest with you, I'd probably say no. But I was so stupid and self-involved back then. And then smash cut to me at 30, and on that, I'm just sitting on the couch thinking about this, I had destroyed my relationship with my ex fiance and she had left. I could not stay sober for more than six months, even though I know I needed to. I couldn't and I had nothing. I literally had the apartment that I was living in and that was it. Now, I know that's short-sighted because I had family and friends and I'm sure people around me who loved me. But at the time, sitting on the couch, that's exactly what I thought, that I had nothing. And I'll never forget it. I was so envious of my sister, my twin sister. I was so angry at myself for being so envious of her and all that she had accomplished. And I was so mad that I had nothing. And I remember thinking to myself, you probably shouldn't drink. But at the time, I did not have the coping mechanisms or the skills to deal with how I felt at that moment, I was in over my head. I felt like I couldn't breathe. I was in quicksand. So I thought, well, I know there's one thing, more than anything in the world, that might not make me feel better, but it will make me forget how I feel right now, and that was alcohol, vodka to be more specific. So I thought, I've got the next two days off from work. It's Tuesday. I'm going to go back to work till Friday. You know what I can do? I can I've got a little bit of birthday money that I got, you know, my tables tipped me a little extra cuz it's my birthday. I'm going to go up to the store. I'm going to get a handle of vodka and a pack of cigarettes. And in the past that can normally last me about 36 hours. So that's what I did. Went to the store. I got a handle of vodka and a pack of cigarettes. And my intention was to do what I always did the last four or five years that I was drinking. Which was to drink by myself. But to watch Netflix. Um, just kind of take shots at random quotes and movies and stuff like that. My ex-fiance used to have this trick where she would check our Netflix account. And if Burn Notice had been watched, she knew I was drinking. <laughs> God, it's so stupid. But I really like that show. I got a couple jokes about it. I really enjoy that show. And there's a lot of moments you can drink to in that show. A lot of like good quotable lines. But um, So that was my intention. My intention was to get the handle, get the cigarettes, come home, and then just forget. Forget about what a screw-up I was. Forget about how I threw away football and how I threw away being an IB and how I threw away my life. I felt like the biggest fucking disappointment to everyone around me. And I'm sure if I asked them, they would have said no. But I didn't care. I just didn't want to feel anymore. So I started to drink and I had a friend reach out to me literally that day to wish me a happy birthday. This is a friend of mine that I've known for a very long time. Um, And this is pertinent because he messaged me again. It was Tuesday. He had messaged me and said, Hey, I'm coming into town for the weekend. I should be there Thursday. I'm going to stay with my sister in Jacksonville and visit with my uh, nieces and nephews and everything, I'd love to see you. And I remember I said, all right, cool, we should get together, um, just swing by my place. And I texted in my address. And like we were talking about before, that text is the difference between me sitting here talking to you on this podcast and my twin sister visiting my gravestone. You might think, Brendan, that sounds a little hyperbolic, that sounds a little crazy, but it's true. Um, and I know it's true because I had doctors tell me it was true. <laughs> um, so I drank, and it's nothing pretty. It's nothing fun. We'll just fast forward. So I drank all day Tuesday from about three thirty and drank all into the night, didn't really eat anything. <clears throat> I didn't like I never like to eat when I drink because I feel like it soaks up with the alcohol and I want to get the full effect. so. Drank Tuesday into Wednesday. Now remember, I'm supposed to be at work by Friday. So I drank Tuesday into Wednesday. And then I don't remember very much after Wednesday afternoon. I remember taking an Uber to the liquor store to get more vodka and cigarettes. So I had gone through an entire handle in about 24 hours, uh, which is not healthy. It's half a gallon. Um, I remember taking the Uber... And then it's real spotty, but the one thing I did when I got home apparently was I left my front door unlocked, which is something I don't ever do. I'm very just natural instinct to lock the door, but maybe it was because I was hammered. Maybe it was subconsciously. I wanted somebody to find me. Uh, Maybe I was hoping someone in my family or a friend would come by and like stop me from doing what I was doing, but no one knew what I was doing. I hadn't told anybody. Um, one of the last things I remember was it was dark out, and I remember looking at my phone, and it was still Wednesday. It was like eleven thirty at night on Wednesday, and I remember not feeling well, um, and I, I was freezing cold, but I was sweating, um, and like not even like just the chills. I guess I, I wasn't even really sweating; I just had the chills, and I remember going into the bathroom, and I. I couldn't keep anything down. Apologize, it's a little graphic, but I remember I was convulsing um, over the toilet, and I I couldn't I could hardly breathe because I was throwing up so profusely, and my eyes were bloodshot, and I I, I felt I felt very seriously like I I was dying, um, and then I remember I saw the spots. Um, if anybody who has seizures knows what those are, you start to see spots, your head starts to turn. You feel like you can't, like, you feel like you're spinning almost like your body just keeps turning. And then I had a seizure. Um, luckily I was laying down and I know to get in the fetal position and everything. And then, uh, I came to and your body, your whole body's cramping because in a seizure, you're like, ah, on all your muscles. So my whole body was cramping and I was trying to stretch out. I kept throwing up and I remember, this is the one part that I remember very vividly. I remember looking at myself, kind of like picking myself up onto the sink, trying to stretch my muscles out, my body out. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror and thinking to myself, you're going to die two days after your 30th birthday alone in a bathroom covered in your own vomit. And that's exactly what you fucking deserve. And I honestly believed that. Thinking about it. I honestly thought. Everyone's going to be right. And you're going to get what you deserve. And this is how you're going to be remembered. When people talk about you. This is what they'll say. And that was one of the last things I thought. And then just darkness. Just blacked out. And I came to. Hours later. With my friend. Apparently. I had given myself alcohol poisoning, which wasn't even the worst part because I've done that two other times before in my life. I was now 30 years old, being driven home from the emergency room by a friend for alcohol poisoning, being told by an emergency room physician, had I not had the tolerance built up that I had, or if I wasn't as big as I was, I would have been dead six hours ago. That's what a decade of drinking bought me, six hours. That friend stayed with me um, the evening, uh, got me Gatorade and kind of hung out with me. And the next day, I don't even remember really. I just remember sleeping a lot, never got out of bed, never called work to tell them what had happened, didn't call anybody. So that weekend passed and I spent that entire weekend at home. Just lying in my bed, listening to podcasts. be honest, I didn't really hardly move from my bed. So that was Thursday night into Friday and Saturday. And I work in a restaurant, so missing no-call, no-showing on the weekends is like really fucked up. That went into Sunday. And I remember at the time, a family member had called my work because he couldn't get a hold of me. And they said I hadn't been there in days um, because he was genuinely concerned. And that Monday, I called my um, sponsor and told him what had happened. And, you know, we got to work. But there's something very interesting about the whole situation, which is thinking back on it now with the feelings I felt, feeling like I deserved that because everybody dies alone. But to be in that situation at 30, just turned 30 and all i could focus on was the fact that everyone else was right and that i deserved this horrific terrible death but that's the thing is i get to be on the podcast now and talk to all of you about it and again we're going to lighten it up but this is something i really wanted to get out there because my friend who passed away 2 weeks ago isn't going to be able to look back on the last time he used and talk about it he's not going to be able to tell his son hey You should probably stay away from drugs and alcohol because this is what they did to my life. Now, his son is going to have that clear message because that's how his father died. But still, it's astounding to me that the things that happen in our lives and then we end up where we end up. Because now I can share the story of the last time I drank on my podcast called Your Ex-Drinking Buddy. And that's the the reason why it's Ex-Drinking Buddy because doomed youth is very romantic When you're in your 20s and you're fucking around and everything's fun and, yeah, we're going to die young, but we'll leave a pretty corpse or whatever the fucking saying is, that's fun. That's all party. But doom middle age is just sad. And that was the last time I drank. My sobriety date is May 31st, 2018, when I left the hospital. I have not had a drop of alcohol since. I still love to talk shit. <laughs> uh, so thanks for bearing with me through that. Um, like I said, we're going to get Savannah in here through the magic of editing. You're not going to know this, but she's actually at work right now. We're going to record her part of the podcast tomorrow. Um, but I wanted to get that out while I was at home alone because I knew it was going to get kind of heavy. Again, if anybody's going through anything, need someone to talk to, just reach out to me. Uh, you know where to find me on all my social media at Brennan T. Comedy or you can always email me Brennan Tassif at Brennan T. Comedy dot com. um, I love you all very much and let's get into the second half of the podcast. So as promised ladies and gentlemen we are going to pick it up get a little bit more lively here. I am joined by my girlfriend Savannah Ray. What's going on Savannah?
1: Uh, not much. Happy to be here. Excited.
0: Okay shut up. This isn't a formal interview. So with the podcast the I'm a, I'm a do big it- fan. Big fan. Big, long time, first time. Um, with the podcast, way we're going to do it is sometimes when I do uh, solo shows or something like that, um, I'm going to have Savannah in from time to time, kind of reference uh, different things about relationships, and um, she is the drinker of the couple. I don't drink at all, um, and she does drink, so kind of spitball some ideas off of her with that, talk about stories. We'll do all sorts of stuff. But um, with this being the first time that you are on the show with me, I wanted to... Uh, Kind of get your take on what it's like to date someone while, because you drink, what it's like to kind of date someone who's sober. And I know that's kind of a loaded, open ended question. So let's take it from kind of the beginning okay. when we first met. I mean, obviously we weren't romantically involved right off the bat, but you did know that I was sober. And what was your take on that? Did you, was that weird? Was that something you were used to? Because I know some of your boyfriends are.
1: Right. Uh, I've never dated anyone sober before. Uh, so we met at work and it came up pretty quickly since I was doing your training that you were sober. And based solely on all my experience that I've had with anybody who is sober, it was like an immediate bummer. But that's because like everyone I've ever experienced who is sober is like very like righteous and judgy and... Um, oh, I'm like very judgy, just preachy, <laughs> preachy, and like holier than thou. And uh, so I was like, "Oh, want, want." But because you were like,
0: like, "How is this amazingly super awesome hot guy so lame?"
1: Right? Like uh, it instantly cast like, "Oh, he's like one of those weird, like judgy, like oh, you drink people." But like, like I said, my experience with people who are purely sober has been they are just. Like judgy. And also, my experience with people who are alcoholics or drinking problems in the past, which is, I mean, some people don't admit that, but like it has been like the people who I've come across with drinking problems are still drinking. And it's like, oh, we just avoid that person because when he drinks, you don't want to be around him. And the sober people are usually, you know, all righteous and judgy. So, you're my first experience of someone who actually is sober, but kind of. I need to get closer. Who kind of like, um, well, obviously wore me down a little bit because you were turned out to be not so uptight, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's a big thing that I try to do. I've explained it on the podcast before. I try not to preach on being sober. I like kind of let everyone else live their lives because there's no – when I address this in the first part of the podcast today, there's nothing I can say or do that's going to – change people's actions with that but i know you've dated some some wild and crazy guys in the past is it um i know you and i have talked about this obviously off air but is it disheartening for you to imagine a world where it's like oh we'll never be able to like go hang out at a bar for happy hour and just get drinks or we're never going to be able to toast champagne if we get married or you know we're never uh, gonna So,
1: like some of those little moments kind of seem like bummers Uh, But, like, overall, like, my relationship with my past uh, boyfriends who drink has not been, like, great, the drinking part. I've, you know, had ones who drink too much and don't – they're not responsible. Or then, like, I've had ones who try to, like, bag on me for drinking and never did anything bad, even though they drink. Um, So, like, I had this weird – like, as I kind of, like, edited down – broke up with I guess certain boyfriends like you know you kind of like I compile your ideal list of like qualities and I always thought on that list would be like someone who enjoys good wine because obviously I like good wine like I like it so much that I'm interested in being a sommelier and like that's something that I envisioned is like going out to dinner and stuff and like getting a great bottle of wine so it was immediately which like,
0: we still do i just I do i just
1: i just drink it but <laughs> so i didn't really uh i didn't really think that i wanted to be with someone who didn't drink it was kind of like a whole new when i discovered you didn't drink first of all once I, when i discovered you didn't drink i wasn't like into you i was just meeting you i was like oh okay um but then as I realized... <laughs> I was going to say,
0: <laughs> I would beg to differ. Normally, it's when people are the most into me when they're just meeting me. And then I start to talk and they're like, oh, never mind.
1: No, it's actually the opposite. Like you kind of like won me over little by little. And I was like, oh, he's cute. Oh, he's charming. Oh, he has a sense of humor about not drinking. Okay, interesting.
0: Yeah, it's my entire set list.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was the question? Oh, like the, do I miss things or do I think I missed Yeah, just kind of the,
0: the situation and... Because um, – and I know I brought this up with you before, but you've said things like, oh, it's just kind of sad or it's kind of disappointing that we'll never be able to, like, sit out on the balcony because we were supposed to be in New York. So,
1: yeah. Well, it's not the actual drinking part, though. I think it's just the relaxing – I know. I'm sorry. The dog's driving you nuts. It's just the, like, the relaxing and the, like, natural talk and flow, like, as you drink and, like, your inhibitions get lowered and you, like, get giggly. That, like, sort of, like, conversation that flows – but we can still have that. You just have to be in the mood for it.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing is um, that's definitely one thing that I've realized that I miss is like hanging out with old friends or family or something and then I remember like when we hang out now, I think I remember this being a lot more fun and the biggest part of that is because when we used to hang out, we used to all have a couple of drinks and then we start right, talking yeah. and like, like you said, getting giggly and talking shit and kind of having a good time and then it was a lot more fun and now that I'm always aware and present with what's happening. It's kind of it's not as fun to kind of just hang out and talk. And but I know yeah, we you have to
1: like, make a definite effort. But also, like we kind of figure things out as we go to because obviously it's my first time ever dating someone sober. Um, but like from the get go, I like kind of made it known. I think that I like I like wine. I'll have a cocktail every now and then. Like I didn't try to like not do that for you. So I didn't want to like alter myself for you, but also I'm like, wasn't out of control. So I didn't think it would be like a huge issue, but we like, for instance, like the after the, after dinner drink thing, like we kind of like figured that out. Like,
0: yeah. So there's this, um, whenever we go out to eat, um, I'm very much, uh, not really, uh, an atmosphere guy. I'm kind of like, I- shovel
1: the food in and right. like, well, I go, get, when we go it, out, I'm out hungry
0: and I mean, I have no problem like getting, you know, multiple courses, like four or five courses, but when the meal's over, it's over. Like I'm ready to go. And a lot of times you end up with, you know, half a glass of wine or you want to get an after dinner drink. And for about a year and a half of our relationship, I was very much like, Ugh, I just wanna go. Like let's yeah, just go I think home. But the, like, the
1: very first time like I ordered an espresso martini, like the dessert came first. And then that came later and, like, the dessert was shoveled down. And then it's like, well, crap. It's not
0: shoveled down. I just eat quickly.
1: Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> well, like, I'm full. So, like, I'm, like, having a few bites and then it's just, like, gone. And then my drink gets there. I'm like, oh, now I have to chug this because he's obviously ready to go. So, it was, like, a little bit of a disconnect. But then, like, it's really interesting because it kind of makes me think more about, like, it's not the actual drinking. It's, like, what comes with the drinking that you – so, like, being able to, like, pinpoint that, like, I – like when you sit and have after dinner drinks and you like are enjoying them and talking. And then I was like, you should start getting like a freaking cappuccino or an espresso and like having something to drink and sip on.
0: I believe that was my idea. But I yes.
1: believe that was my idea.
0: But yeah, we did um, come to um, a very good compromise, I guess you'd say, in that instance. Because now, because a lot of, and it works out for me too, because a lot of times by the time we're done eating, because we get such big meals... I'm like ready to go to sleep. So it actually is a, a win-win because then you can sit and relax and finish drinking whatever you're drinking and I can have some coffee or some cappuccino or an espresso depending on where we are. And then that gives me a nice little zip to kind of keep the rest of the night going as far as like, you know, if we want to go do something after or something like that. But um, so now we're coming up uh, We just passed two years of dating. Right. And... I wanted to get your take on just kind of what, because you've never seen me drunk. I wanted to put that on the record. Right. You've never seen me, actually you've never seen me um, messed up in any way except once when I got my surgery and then I wasn't even that messed up. I was not nearly as messed up as they promised I was going to be and I was very upset.
1: You held it together very well.
0: Well, when I went to get the surgery, I talked to my sponsor about it and I talked to you about it. And I was really worried because I was like, I haven't done anything in so long. Like, I'm scared. What if this opens up some sort of weird Pandora's box? Because the doctor kept telling me and the nurses were like.
1: Yeah, that happened to Dak Shepard recently. Did you yeah, hear about I, that? I, yeah. yeah.
0: If you guys listen to uh, Armchair Expert, he has a the podcast titled Day 7 is really good about him falling off after getting into an accident. Um, on pain pills and um, I've seen that outside of show business circles I've seen that just in my daily life like my real life like that happening to friends and things like that people falling off because you know they got sick so they started taking NyQuil well a lot of people don't understand this or don't know this but NyQuil is like 10% alcohol Mm -hmm. Um, I know Jay Moore used to say uh, uh, you know that funny kind of bit that he had where he'd say yeah, I would tell people I was sober, then I'd go home and drink two bottles of NyQuil to fall asleep. Like, that's not, you know what I mean? Like, that's not. Yeah. So I was really worried that when I got the surgery, I'd be messed up. But yeah, I came out of it and I was talking to Nick, my anesthesiologist, and everything was fine. And he, I told you, he even said, like, normally people are really, like, messed up coming out of this. And I was just talking to him about his daughter playing soccer. And I was, I remember all of it. I was fine. and uh Yeah,
1: it's crazy.
0: So, yeah, so you've never seen me, like, messed up. And I tell you all the time, and I think this is something anybody who is not even struggled with addiction issues, but anybody who's had moments in their life where they like to party a little too hard um, can kind of attest to is that it'd be fun. I tell you this all the time. It would be a lot of fun if I started drinking again for the first while, but...
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but then, And you're always like, yeah, that sounds like it would be fun. Like sometimes I describe it to you and you're like, yeah, that sounds like a, a great time. But then I kind of get into the whole, yeah, but then I'd stop going to work. Then I wouldn't, you know, take care of the dogs. And then you'd be coming home and I'd be passed out on the couch with like bottles around me smoking in the house.
1: And- yeah. So when I first started dating you, like I really have never, like I've said previously, like never had experience with someone who is an admitted alcoholic and recovered uh, so, so, it was like my first experience with someone who is sober and saying I have a problem because I feel like in Duval, if you have a drinking Duval. problem,
0: if, like
1: all my circle people, like there's the people who drink too much and like can't admit to themselves and like the sober judgy people, that's the only type I've had experience with, like I said earlier. um. So, it was very interesting and enlightening to be with someone who was like no i have a problem like if i drink like this will happen and then it was i was very instantly transported to yeah i would hate that i would not we would break up because that sounds like a nightmare to deal with that
0: yeah yeah and that's the thing too is that it's it's interesting um and i think i've told you this but i know i've taught i think i've talked about this on the podcast um if I, i believe i touched on it um in the first part of this episode, uh, full disclosure, we're recording these at two separate times. So I recorded the first part of this episode uh, two days ago, and now we're recording this uh, a couple days before this airs um, to try and lighten it up. But um, my biggest thing was when I first got sober, I used to say, and I'm sure you have this experience with certain ex-boyfriends and just friends because I know you have some friends that don't drink anymore either, but... Um, but I would say like, oh, I can't drink. I know what's going to happen. If I drink, I'll, you know, I'll miss work. Or if I drink, you know, Alyssa's is going to be mad at me. Or if I drink, you know, this, you know, my boss is going to be mad at me. So for the longest time, I didn't drink because I, quote unquote, knew what was going to happen. Right. And as I express to you all the time, and I was sharing at the beginning of this um, episode, is that after the experiences that I've had from 2013 to now, I have realized that I don't know what would happen if I drank. And that's the most terrifying part is not knowing. Yeah. Because, you know, I can tell you, you know, oh, it'd be fun for the first couple of weeks, but then things would start to go off the rails. And, like, I've never struck anybody, like, as far as, like, any of my girlfriends or anything like that. But, like, oh, I, God, I get – i
1: never even thought about that. No,
0: but I'm saying, like, I've, I get loud and I can be – You know, I can be. I mean, I'm an aggressive person now. So imagine, you know, if I'm drunk and pissed off. I mean, you tell me all the time how I just get like a like a spoiled little child, like start stomping my feet around the house. And now, like if you mix that with alcohol, it'd be.
1: But like the thing is, you like ruined it for me. So even if you like fell off and started drinking really fun, like I would fast forward in my mind like a few weeks later and see you like not going to work and getting fired and not being able to pay rent and like all this stuff like so it's like just by you going over like what eventually would happen like it wouldn't even be fun for me even if you were fun like if you fell off and like for casually drinking for two weeks and it was under quote unquote under control i would still be like well this is the beginning of the end so yeah this is not really that fun
0: because <laughs> you you'd constantly have that cloud kind of following you around but yeah let's, let's let's cheer it up let's let's liven it up a little bit so okay savannah and i were supposed to be living in new york city as of april 1st
1: well i thought you said cheer it up now you're gonna depress me
0: <laughs> well I, would, I wanted to uh talk about um our whole reason to move to new york which was my idea and i want that on the record on the wow. podcast
1: wow
0: This is a running bit that uh, Savannah and I have because I'm convinced it was my idea to move to New York and she's convinced it was her idea to move to New York. So, Uh,
1: For the official record, it was definitely my idea. I heard about a job opening in New York City uh, at my company and I've wanted it forever. And then I decided to apply for it and then I got it. And then when I was talking about applying for it months in advance... Because it's always on my radar. I
0: said that's a great idea. Why didn't we think of this sooner? We should move to New York City.
1: Mm-hmm. My idea. Like I had mm-hmm. ha- had the plan set before I started dating you. <laughs> like it was, like it was on my vision board.
0: Ugh. But um, <laughs> yeah, we um, we've uh, been in New York a few times. So the first time that we went. As the listeners know, I'm a stand-up comedian. Um, And the first time we went, we had only been dating for a few months. Um, and this six months. It wasn't six months. You got it for me for Christmas.
1: Yeah, but we went in April.
0: No, no, no. We had only been dating for a few months when you got me this gift.
1: Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys
0: want to hear about how crazy Savannah is? Psycho crazy Savannah. I'm it not, was actually...
1: It's not psycho. I just... It was
0: the nicest thing I think I've ever gotten as a gift from anybody. Um, So we started dating and then you... Like, obviously, you knew I did comedy and everything. And then for Christmas, you want to tell the listeners what you got me the first year we yeah, were dating? Yeah, so
1: he uh, was pretty... What's the word? Like, you're very clear, like, about who your favorite comedians were. So... It didn't seem like you valued, like, stuff too much, like, actual things. Like, I was like, he's not that into clothes. He's not that into, like, Very this true. or that. Very true. Um. So, like, what would be a good gift for him? So, I was, like, Googling, like, uh, tour dates, like, your favorite comedians. I know Bill Burr is one of your favorite comedians. So. Yep. I was looking up like in Bill, Billy Bear. I was looking up like Bill Burr or like Tom Segura like tour dates. And Tommy Buns, and then it came up that he was performing, Bill Burr because it was like a search for Bill Burr like dates. He's performing at this like New York charity event, and it's called like uh, what was it like Night of Laughs or something? Laughs
0: in the Garden, Laughs for the Garden, last in garden the Garden of Laughs, Gardens of, Garden of Laughs. Uh,
1: and then We're I back saw in
0: New Yorkers, we should know that. <sighs>
1: Right, New Yorkers attending New Yorker charity events. Uh, So I saw the lineup and like the headliner was Jerry Seinfeld and it was like all these amazing people, John Mulaney and Michael Yeah, I was going to say,
0: you say headliner was Jerry Seinfeld and that's true, that's how it was billed, but it was a murderer's row of headliners.
1: Yes, it was. um, So I was like, this is awesome. And then I saw like the tickets and the tickets were like like, not crazy. As for a first gift, uh, it was probably more than i should have spent but i was like okay so if i'm looking at normal tickets for like a bill brochure that costs this much or i could spend this much more and get this awesome show and i would get a vacation out of it and it would be awesome like why would i not do this
0: yeah and we ended up going we stayed um at the soho grand
1: yeah Soho grand
0: um which is funny because in stark contrast when we went up the next time to look for apartments and just kind of go up for a couple days, we stayed in like the Times Square. It was still a really nice hotel.
1: Well, it wasn't right in Times Square. It was like kind of off it, but it was like – or like a little bit of it. It was called – wasn't
0: it called – oh, no, it was called Central.
1: It was called Park Central. Park
0: Central. That's what it was. But, I mean, it was still a nice hotel, but it was – It was
1: just kind of central. So it, it was, was funny because we was, were looking uptown and downtown, and then we yeah. quickly realized uptown was like not the way to go.
0: Yeah, but I just thought it was interesting because the first time we went to New York, we stayed in like the true like – this is what you would read about in like a travel blog kind of thing. Like you stay at the Soho Grand and you stay downtown and you go to these events that are normally only locals go to. And we ate at a bunch of really nice places that I had never heard of and all this kind of stuff. And then when we went the second time, it was just like, Nope, we're staying like right where all the tourists stay. There was like a band checking in, like a high school band when we got there. So it was just, it was, it was interesting. But the first time um, I got to meet Dave Chappelle, which was really cool. Outside of the Soho Grand. And I just want to put this on the record for sure. Anybody who says smoking cigarettes is just terrible all around has never smoked a cigarette outside the Soho Grand at 7.30 in the morning and got to meet Dave Chappelle. Cause and I
1: want to put this in the record. Uh, when he says he met Dave Chappelle, he looked up and said, Hey, you're Dave Chappelle. And Dave Chappelle said, Yeah.
0: We're best friends now. Okay. Um. But yeah, so it was really cool. And I was... I was kind of blown away, not kind of, I was blown away when you first got me the gift because comedy means a lot to me. And people in my life, and I've told you this before, but people in my life don't, they see it as kind of like a hobby. Like, oh, Man. yeah, Brennan's been doing this on and off for like 10 years, but, you know, it's not really matriculating into anything for him. So. It's just something he likes to do. And I obviously take it super seriously. And I think now with having both the shows and actually touring and like, go, you know, not touring, but traveling and doing stand-up and stuff, I think people are starting to realize after 10 years how important it is to me more and more. But you kind of, I mean, you already described it, but you were kind of like all in. Like, well, you know, the, the thing he cares about oh, yeah. the most is comedy. So we might as well do that.
1: So I kind of know a little bit firsthand, like when you have – like a goal and like a dream like that, you can't be told not to pursue it. You have to go after it. And um, you're doing really well at going after it.
0: And I appreciate that.
1: Um, it doesn't do anybody any good to like tell someone that's stupid. Don't do that. Like that never works out. So like for anybody, like any, it's like almost every story you hear about anyone who's ever successful. Everyone's like, Oh, when are you getting a real job? Like yeah. you can't ever like squash someone's dreams And if you, like, down the road, you were doing this for years and then – because I know you stopped for a while. But if you, like, are doing this for years and, like, it's not getting where you want, like, it's something you have to decide for yourself. You can't have anyone tell you that's a stupid hobby. Like, it's just – it only makes sense as someone, your relationship with, you just have to support what they want to do. Yeah.
0: And that was – I think that was um, initially, you know, to open up our relationship with kind of, like – that whole show of like, yeah, like this is what you do and I'm all for it.
1: Yeah. I mean, because I know absolutely. sometimes
0: you, you watch a lot of stand up, like when you go into your office and you kind of do your, when you do your things in the office, a lot of times you have stuff in the background. And a lot of yeah. times it's comics that I, you know, Buns or Bill Burr or, you know, Sickler or any of those kind of guys. And these are comics that I really, really like. And you just kind of have them on the background, but it still, is, is it's cool because one, I'm sure you would still watch them, you know, regardless. Well,
1: that's not true. Like, I definitely pick things that I know that you would like because I'd like to, like, know what you're listening to. And I like to, if there's something that I think is particularly funny, I like to be able to joke with you about stuff. So, like, I, I do pick things that I know you like. Well. That's... And, but, I mean, I pick things that I like, too. But, like, if I'm just like, oh, I don't know. I'll put this on. I know he's seen it a million times.
0: Well, it's, and it's also weird, too, because when we go to New York or sometimes around here, when you come to shows, Savannah has a very odd way of showing her humor. She doesn't really ever laugh out loud too much. I shouldn't say ever, but like we'll go. I know this happened a lot when we went to the cellar because we were going to the cellar like three times a night. The five nights we were there, four nights we were there. But after the show, you go, yeah, no, they, they were really funny. They were really funny. But your way of showing it is to kind of just smile and nod and then occasionally chuckle. And I thought for the longest time, and I could still be way off and wrong about this, but I thought for the longest time, you were just trying to appease me. Like, oh, no, oh, they're no. funny. But you just don't have that like guttural reaction that I do. Because right, no. everyone makes fun of me that I laugh at everything and I laugh yeah. like an idiot. and
1: I'm really restrained. But I will say... Like, when I get, which this is something is weird, because, like, when I get, like, tipsy and stuff, I laugh a lot more, but I think I don't get, like, I really let loose and get as tipsy around you, because sometimes I feel like I don't want, because, you know, I know you joke, like, oh, ha-ha, glug, 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 but, like, sometimes I'm kind of nervous about, like, getting too loose around you, but normally, under normal circumstances, sorry, I'm drinking wine right now, and so I'm like, all over the place. Glug, glug, Under glug. normal <laughs> circumstances, I um i am pretty restrained. I don't laugh that much. I'm just like a smiler and kind of like a little giggle, but...
0: Which um, in the comedy world, we have nothing but admiration and appreciation for.
1: I mean, whatever.
0: No, it's... um,
1: it's I, It doesn't feel natural to be like, <laughs> yeah, to do that. It's not natural
0: <laughs> for me. Yeah, that's odd too, because I, I laugh at the dumbest stuff all the time so what is it like let's keep this on track what is it like um in your experience to date someone who does comedy because i know you and i in the past have had you know times where we're completely understanding and it's like okay no i know you got to record the podcast or i know you got to go do this show then there are other times where you know there might be a miscommunication and you you or i could get really frustrated like What do you mean, you know, you got to go in your office for three hours to record a podcast? Or what do you mean you're going out of town to Daytona to do a show for like one night to do, you know, you're going to drive four hours round trip to do 10 minutes? Like what? Um, So what is that like not having a normal schedule like, you know, boyfriends in the past where it's like, yeah, you know, I go to work from this time to this time. Then I come home and I drink and then we go out and then that's the day.
1: So honestly, I don't really mind all that stuff. In general, the only time where I seem where it seems to be like an issue is when like I have when I'm trying to like picture how like this day will go like so if I have a day off I'm trying to like oh and trying to like make you know like start in my head to make the effort of like having like a nice day with my boyfriend like oh this should be nice and then come to find out you've all the stuff planned that's the only time it's like a bummer. It's like oh, well, I didn't realize but I mean you always have stuff planned so it's like my own fault for not even like, thinking about, like, your stuff outside of actual, like, your job work, but, like, your comedy, like, that could be very flexible or spur of the moment. Like, I don't it's even think It's definitely about very that. fluid. Right. So, like, when I start, like, getting carried away in my head about, like, oh, maybe we could do this this day or maybe we could do that, and then I really all the stuff planned and it's like, okay, well, whatever. But that's just, like, a very uh, brief, reactive reaction because honestly like i like having a lot of time to myself so i don't like care too much like I, in the end all be all like i don't mind
0: okay yeah because I, I never really know because um
1: i'm very introvert so like time to myself is okay but like the only time is when i like envision us like oh maybe we can take the day and go like somewhere cool like cumberland island and see the horses like i'm thinking this stuff and then like and then it's like casually chatting with you. And then you're like, yeah, I'm doing this in this tour. I'm like, all right, well, dreams dashed, okay. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Alone time again, cool.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's weird because it is very uh, fluid to do comedy. And I know we've talked about it before. It's one of those things where it's like, well, hopefully once the pandemic ends and this podcast takes off or somebody, you know, something happens, which was the whole plan to move to New York was – you know, you and I have both always wanted to live there. I had never been there as an adult. I went once when I was 14 with my dad and my stepmom and my family. Further
1: proof that it was my idea. But Thank I you. Never... Continue with the proof. Okay.
0: All right. Mark that. We're going to edit that out. Nope. 28. <laughs> All right. Um, But I had never gone as an adult, so when I went with you the first time uh, to go see the comedy show, we went there for an actual vacation. We were there for like five days, Mm -hmm. and I kind of fell in love with the city, and I was like, oh, this is definitely seems like a place that I could live. Yeah,
1: because originally you wanted to go to LA. Yes.
0: So my grand plan when I started doing comedy 10 years ago was to go to LA, because I had done impressions. I was an impressionist a lot when I was younger, and I thought, you know, everyone... Not everyone, but a lot of people, like, especially older women, like, not older, like, cougar, like, older, like, in their 60s and 70s older women would be like, oh, you're so cute. You're like a George Clooney. You should be an actor or something. Right. And I had done stage acting when I was younger. So I had gotten into my head, I'll go to L.A. and do comedy, and then I'll try acting on the side, you know, very a la Robin Williams. I don't know. Something small like that. Um, And uh, Mm -hmm. so I had always had it in my head. I'd go to L.A., I've never really been around the snow. I don't do well in the cold. I'm not a big fan of the cold. Um,
1: yeah, I don't like cold either. But like the New York energy, as opposed to the like the LA energy, it's so like um, intoxicating. Especially being from a pl- like from where we're from, that like I feel like snow and cold is something that I would like definitely just put up with. And I, I mean, who knows? Like after a few years, it might be like okay, I'm over it. But it's something that I feel like I have to get out of my system like I have I need it's in my skin I need to go yeah well and I felt have that New York energy like yeah you felt it too like once
0: we got up there and I was an adult and I could kind of because when I went up there when I was 14 you know it was my we were kind of following my dad's lead like I didn't know anything that was going on but then to go up there as an adult and be like you know first of all I went up there with the mindset of I want to check out the comedy scene, and then just to be able to go to like to the cellar and you know you and inter- you basically walked up to Tom Rhodes after I told you how much I liked him, and you were like, mm-hmm. "Hey, uh Tom, this is my boyfriend Brennan, he's a really big fan, and I was like, what are you doing?
1: I, know. I like to be out- so that was some that's like a I got some drinks in me, whatever you yeah. like him, let's go say hey yeah. And you're like, no, yeah. no, no, I'm like, yeah, we're going.
0: yeah um and like I got to you know smoke a cigarette outside of the cellar with David Tell and everything's just kind of happening oh, yeah that was cool. Yeah, and it was just very much like, oh, if I if we lived up here, I could just come to the cellar after work every yeah. night and yeah. do this and the every thing about, day. Like,
1: New York is usually people don't give a shit. Nobody cares. Like I love that like that was the other big thing. I that love I that really nobody cares. Um also I hate driving, so I love that you can get around in public transportation and walk everywhere. I love that. But like the whole vibe of like no one's trying too hard, like even, like, um, well, not all super rich people, but, like, even, like, very wealthy people and uh, famous people who, like, they're wearing sweatpants and Adidas and, like, no one cares. Like, no one's trying too hard. I hate that, like, Miami, uh, you have to be beautiful, and I hate that LA super fake, like, it's, it's very, as um, a kind of an introverted person, like, that seems very exhausting to me.
0: Yeah, and I I, mean, I want
1: to not talk until I feel like talking. When I feel like talking, I'll talk. But like, I don't want to have to like fake it every day and like yeah. be that fake person every day.
0: Well, and that was the thing is, I I've said this before, um, but when I went to school in South Florida, like I make it a joke all the time. Like going to class was an event. Like you couldn't just like be yourself. Like everyone had to put oh on God. like this whole persona before they left their dorm room because you know just the environment of being in South Florida. Um, And that whole like scene of being down there. And it's a lot of wealthy kids and all that kind of stuff. So I really liked New York because when we got up there, it was very much like I felt at home in all the chaos. And I know I've told you this before is, you know, I grew up as a kid and my life was very chaotic. And so to be around all the noise and the hustle and bustle and stuff. It's like it's 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 calming to me. It's
1: busy, but like no one gives a shit. Like no one's like, oh my god, it's chaos, it's traffic. Everyone's just like, whatever, man. Yeah, traffic, chaos, honking, sirens, sirens. Well, I think Constantly. everyone, I think
0: everyone who lives up there is is at home in the chaos as well. I think that's why it's got right. such that vibe to it. But
1: yeah, because like I don't like being isolated. Like for some people who like say like, oh my god, I would love to go live on thirty acres of farmland. I'm like, oh my god. Well, it's ironic
0: like, too because both of us, like you were saying earlier, you're more of an introverted person. You right. don't mind but like, being alone. I don't want to be but. isolated. Yeah. I,
1: but I don't necessarily want to talk to people. But like, I want to be around people, know what's going on, but I don't want to actually have to, like, talk to Yeah, you. be alone
0: yeah. in a crowd. I understand Yeah,
1: that. Like, I want to go, like, sit at a cafe with myself and, like, read a magazine and just, like, see what's going on around me, but not, like, have to actually interact. Interact with people, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, that was the thing, too. So we were going to go up there, and then my big thing was, okay, this is the the thing that I need to kind of figure out what I'm going to do with comedy because I love being in Jacksonville. I have a lot of very close friends. Um, obviously, a lot of them have been on the podcast, especially in comedy around here. But my thing was what I'm trying to say, I think, is going over a lot of people's heads here. And I'd be the first to admit that not all of my jokes are funny. Like Some of them are. I take a lot more seriously than just like, ha, 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 let's laugh at this. But my whole idea was like if I could just get in front of people who value comedy the way I value comedy, and those there are those people in Jacksonville, but there are a lot more of those people who are more well connected in New York. Yeah. If that makes sense. So like I mean,
1: honestly, there's a lot more of those people in any other big city. Like Jacksonville's a somewhat big city, but it's still kind of like behind in a lot of that sort of stuff so
0: yeah and my well and my biggest thing too was that i was thinking about it and i was like well all it takes is you know i just want to get in front of people who get not only get my comedy because i you know i can i do shows all the time and i get laughs and everything's good but i feel like a lot of the times people when they get it they get it on a very surface level and they don't understand kind of
1: too smart so like to put it in perspective like Uh, A lot of people's favorite comedian here in Jacksonville is probably Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah. So like when you're a little bit more intellectual, you're not going to get as much laughter here.
0: Yeah. And that happens to me, especially at a lot of the bar shows and stuff is that comics will go up before and, you know, dick this and pussy that and blah, blah, blah. And people are dying. They're eating it up. And then I go up there and I talk about, you know. The, the the mental breakdown that I had from having, like, the cool mom and, like, how that, like, you know, kind of altered my trajectory for the rest of my life. And people are like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Yeah. And so I wanted to get somewhere, like, in New York, where I could tell those kind of jokes where they're funny on the surface, but also there there's a deeper meaning and people would be like, oh, shit, I get that. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand that. And I thought that would open up a lot more doors, but... Alas, we are stuck in Jacksonville for the foreseeable future. Blah. Well, have you heard any updates on when we might be able to go?
1: Um, no.
0: Yeah, so we're just here in Jacksonville, but I wanted to have you on, like I said, talk about dating a sober person, dating someone who does comedy. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Well, (laughs) fucking asshole. (laughs) Well, I love you. I'm glad you came on the show. You're going to keep it a little short. Yeah. Okay. We've done 40 minutes. Okay. Time flies when you're having fun, right?
1: I guess so. I feel like I had a lot more stuff to say about your soberness, but we'll get to that next time, I guess.
0: Do you have anything you want to add?
1: No, not at the top of my head.
0: (laughs) You had a lot more to say, just not off the top of your head.
1: Yeah, I needed to be prompted and asked.
0: Okay. Well, like I said, Savannah's going to be kind of a regular occurrence on the podcast. Um, If anybody has anything they want to ask her directly um, and don't Email me asking for nudes of my girlfriend. I would really appreciate you to not do that. Um, but uh, is there anything else? That? What?
1: Who would do that?
0: I don't know. I don't know who listens to this.
1: Okay.
0: Savages. Are you kidding me? The Discord for my the podcast network I do my other show on, they're always like, oh, is she there? Is she there? Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, hmm. that's Anyways. we'll talk about that off air. Um, I love you. I'm glad you came on. We'll definitely have you back. Is there anything else you want to say to the listeners?
1: Uh, no I'm good this
0: is fun <laughs> alright babe uh, thank you again everybody uh, for tuning in f- to um, I almost called this the name of my other podcast thank you everybody for tuning in to Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy of course I'm your host Brennan Tassif you can follow me on all social media at Brennan T Comedy send me an email if you uh, want to talk uh, to me directly Brennan Tassif at Brennan T and we will talk to you all next week